Welcome to the King Belly Podcast. Like, share, subscribe, spread the word. You can listen to it on Apple Music. No, not Apple Music. The Apple Podcast app. Google Play and SoundCloud. This is episode four of the King Belly Podcast. Thanks in advance for your listens, for your streams, for your shares, for your comments, your recommendations, so on and so forth. You know the vibe. You get the point. I did something a little different in this episode. I decided to forego a guest today or forego uh, um, a friend or anything like that. I said, I'm going to challenge myself. And I'm going to just do the show dolly. And of course, with that being said, I ain't want to drag it and chat for an hour. I could. I ain't want to do that to y'all, though. But yeah, I'm open, to, I'm open to all constructive criticism. I don't take nothing personal. So feel free to tell me how you think I did. Tell me how or tell me what I could do better in the future. For if you ever want to hear me do something like this again, I'm just toying with it, having fun with this medium, with this outlet. I was going to say something, but that shit, that shit slipped my mind. That might have been going front. That just slipped my mind. So, damn, I did forgot what I was going. Fuck it though, bucket low. I hope you enjoy the episode. I'm not gonna lie though. I'm not gonna lie. The reason why I'm jacking this month, all right, not the only reason why. This is not the sole reason why, but part of the reason why I'm jacking this Mata project so much is because they sampled Biggie on track three. I'm biased. Listen, the moment you sample a bad boy's record, I'm in. You got me. You got me. All it took was the first 15 seconds to that track for the beat to drop. And I'm like, yeah, this album is it. It's it. Not to mention, I've been anticipating this project since January when I initially heard the demo song for, um, not the demo, the demo track for The Light. I like the demo a little better, but um, I, I guess it works. I guess the regular song works. I'll fuck with it. It's cool. But um, I really did enjoy this Montai project. I did. I, I fucked with it a lot. Um, Jeremiah and Ty Dolla Sign, they never, they never miss. These two army niggas that never miss. They never miss a beat. I've yet to hear, I've yet to hear an R&B record with Ty, Ty Dolla Sign on the hook where he disappoints us. Have you? <laughs> doubt it. I highly doubt it. And then you pair him up with a nigga like Jeremiah. They definitely do compliment each other in the booth. I must say. I must say. This might be a match made in heaven, I must say. Now, to be a little more specific, I think that both Jeremiah and Ty Dolla Sign do a good job of complimenting each other because they understand each other. They understand the pockets that they both can sing in. They understand each other's tempo very well they understand each other's style of singing very well and most importantly throughout the majority of this project they're working with a producer that knows both of them pretty well that nigga that nigga young bird been walking on these on these samples i must say he's been walking on these samples that hit maker yeah that nigga been walking on them samples shout out to that man in his ear and whichever crates he been digging in I think that both artists did a very good job of sticking to themselves, not emulating the next artist, and again, complimenting each other. And the project came out to overall be an, to be an overall success. Um, there's not many discrepancies I have with the project. Like, your shit was a... I'll give it a solid, like, 9 out of 11. Probably two songs I didn't really want to hear. But for the most part, I definitely do fuck with it. It also doesn't hurt when you call up a nigga like Chris Brown to come feature on your shit. Always. I mean, but I, 
I wasn't really trying to hear Wiz. I get it though. Fuck it, show love to the niggas that, that paved the way for you, so to speak. Not in the R&B sense, just the musical, you know, artist perspective. But I understand that. I wasn't really trying to hear Wiz on the project, but I understand it. Like I said, um, one interesting takeaway I did have from this project was the fact that rappers and R&B singers nowadays sound so similar that sometimes you can't even tell whether or not you're listening to a rapper or an R&B singer. And not not to say that this project sounds like rap music in any way, shape, or form, but there's uh, so many melodic niggas out now, out right now, that's rapping, but they sound like this. If that makes sense, like these niggas is on the track, spitting the same similar cadences as R&B niggas. These niggas is on the track, singing similar melodies as R&B niggas. So it's just it's just funny to see how you know the arts or the artists are starting to um, imitate each other in different ways and different fashions. Hey, at least everybody's getting along, right? <laughs> at least everybody's happy. But um, yeah, that, that that was pretty interesting for me to, to um to, to point that out and to realize that through listening through this through listening to this project. I will say though, listening to this project, it had me thinking. I won't put it past these two niggas to turn this whole montage thing into a series. 100% see a Mata 2 coming in the near future, followed by a Mata 3 later on that year or wherever they dropped the Mata 2. I, I, I'm not ruling it out. I'm 100% not ruling it out. And as a matter of fact, I wouldn't be mad if they did that either. Like I said, these niggas actually compliment each other in the booth. I fuck with it. I'll listen to a Mata 2. However, I'm not too sure if I would be so quick to say the same about another R&B nigga that dropped this week. Weekend. Tory, a nigga from Toronto. Is he from Toronto? I don't even know. I'm gonna stop jacking it. I don't know Tory from Toronto. I know he's from Canada though. You're from he's from up north. I don't know if I can say the same about Tory. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. If you know me, you know I'm a little biased against Tory because I've never really been the Tory fan. He a cool dude via interviews. A lot of his interviews, he's a pretty personable guy. But as an artist, I don't know. His last two projects haven't really been it. And it's crazy. I'm seeing a lot of people amping it up. I seen a lot of people on Twitter talking talking big about the project. But I don't know. I feel like when it comes to Tory, niggas never want to admit the fact that his shit don't really be slapping the way it should. Or maybe it's just me. Like I said, it could just be me. We're all entitled to our, we're all entitled to our own opinions. But me personally, I, I can't say the same about, about his project. And, and 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 it's funny because I don't I can't even I'm not even sure what exactly doesn't sit well about it to me, but there's something I can't quite put my finger on. I don't know if it's the content of his lyrics, so I don't know if he's just like not as or maybe I'm comparing it. That's probably what I'm probably comparing the two projects together a little bit too much, and I'm expecting him to produce an album the same way that. Well, I'm I'm expecting him to produce the same quality of album. As these two niggas and these two niggas is clearly out of his league. So maybe that's a little unfair to Tory. But I don't know, man. Like the Tory project wasn't slapping the way I anticipated it to slap. But then again, it, it never really does. I'm not sure. Like, maybe Tory Lane should try to like find a new sound. No, I'm dragging it. Let me know if I'm dragging it. Maybe should find a new sound. But the whole Tory Lane shit, nah, I don't know, man. And going back to my original point, well, not my original point, because that's not the thesis of the soliloquy I'm giving y'all right now, but going back to my original point of R&B artists and rappers sounding alike, Tory Lanez seems as though he's conflicted in, on whether or not he wants to be an R&B artist, a la, you know, singing and shit like that, or a rapper. I'm not against doing both on a track. 
But if you I mean if you can, if you can, by all means, use your God-given talents and abilities to do that. But mm, mm, nah, it ain't it. It's, it's just not it. It's just not it. And I would never, I would never bash another man's craft because I don't know how hard how hard he works behind the scenes to produce these projects and give us this work. I in no me in no way, shape, or form am I trying to disrespect, disrespect Tory Lanez, but yeah, me personally, it's a no for me. It's a no for me. With that being said, there was so many other new projects that came out over the course of the weekend and over the course of last week too. But I feel like one of my biggest discrepancies with the music industry this year, or with music in general, is the fact that there's so many projects coming out. Like I feel like every Friday there's at least three, four projects coming out. To the point where it's like. Yo, you don't even have the time to really sit down and digest the music that you're given. Like for how many of us are still listening to Carter Five? And the Carter Five wasn't a bad project. It was a very good project. But how many of us are still listening to that shit? Exactly. Because there's new music coming out every week. How am I supposed to be able to sit and digest and appreciate a work of art if the next week five new albums are coming out for me to listen to? And on top of that, Everybody's trying to compete with the next man on trying to get their review out faster. <laughs> so niggas is not even really solicited in the first place. Everybody's just competing to see who can deliver the, the best review as fast as possible. So yeah, that shit been blowing on a lot recently. So there's a lot of albums that I ain't even get to touch yet. I know LMA dropped the project. Lil, like, Lil Yachty dropped the project too. I heard it was alright. Quavo dropped some shit too. I'm not gonna hold you. I listened to it once. I don't like judging albums on first listen, but that wasn't it. And I've been saying that I'd much rather have Takeoff and Offset drop a project and have Quavo on all of their hooks than Quavo have his own project. But she has nothing against nothing against Quavo. I just feel like Take on Takeoff and Offset are the better rappers. So I'm looking forward to the Takeoff project that's coming out this year, as well as the Offset project. Them niggas, them niggas got balls for days. And I'm hoping, not even hoping, I'm quite likely that um Quavo will be in all of their hooks. Shit, you can't go wrong when you got Quavo on the hook. So yeah, that'd be that'd be very fun to look forward to. Um, I know Meek is also. I'm also anticipating the Meek project. I can't. I can't wait to hear this nigga screaming on the track. Always thought it was ironic that Meek screams on every track. The nigga name is Meek Mill. Never get. Never understood that. But it is what it is. Philly stand up. But um, yeah, that's that's all I got for the music take so far this week. Bear with me. Like I said, I don't like rushing into music. I love music. I don't like rushing into this shit. So you gotta give me some time to really digest these albums, and I'll come back to you and give my opinion on the shit. But let's shift gears a little bit. Let's shift gears a little bit to the NBA. It's been a very fun and exciting week in the NBA, just to say the least. Now, similar to the album situation, I'm not going to sit here in front like I watched every single game that happened this weekend. But I did. I saw a considerable amount. A couple of them I watched on DVR. Shout out to NBA League Pass. And I had a few takeaways from this, um, from this past week's NBA season. First things first, I got to say, man, the league is in a great place right now. Like, I feel like on any given night, you could watch a good four to five games. Four to five good games at that. Four to five good games. Granted, yes, the league is a little top-heavy. Golden State Warriors have a fucking super, a super team. The Celtics have a super team, although their chemistry isn't there yet. And then you got LeBron in the Lakers. There ain't no super team, but for me, it's LeBron. So, it's LeBron. But it's like, outside of that, looking past that, as an actual NBA fan... You should be able to appreciate the talent spread out throughout the entire league. My nigga, you could fuck around and watch Dallas and Atlanta play. Oh, nah. That shit was trash when I watched that. I ain't even gonna lie. You could watch 
Let me think of a missile. You could watch Phoenix, Milwaukee, and enjoy your night. You could watch Utah play the Pelicans and enjoy your night. It's facts. It's that's just the, that's just where the league is right now. Blake Griffin dropped fifty. The next night, Steph Curry dropped fifty. That's just that's the time we on in the league now. And it's very angle front. It's bothering me. It's been bothering me that niggas have been scoring at ease this year. I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know how to feel about that because I'm not about to go ahead and say that everyone's offense has improved to an all-time high or everyone's offense is at an all-time high level to the point where their efficiency is better than everyone else's. And Nah, fuck that. No. Am I ever going to drag and do all that extra shit? Niggas got to play defense. <laughs> Simple. Niggas got to play defense, bro. Niggas got to play more defense. Niggas actually have to try on defense. And I find it very ironic. And I feel like basketball is one of those places where it proves that evolution is inevitable because I remember, I want to say about a good 10 years ago when Mike D'Antoni was the coach of the New York Knicks and he was running the offense where it's like you had to score the ball or you had to shoot the ball within the first seven seconds of the shot clock. Everyone complained, everyone bitched and moaned about the offense being too fast, the pace being too fast. It wasn't reasonable, it made no sense. And now you fast forward to 2018 and on a night, on a random miscellaneous ass night like tonight, October 28th, every single team that played scored no less than 100 points. I'm telling you, man, evolution is inevitable. Like these things, like there's certain things you just can't control. And D'Antoni, I got to give him the credit for being the godfather of this modern NBA offense. Sticking on D'Antoni, though, he got, he got, he ain't off the hook yet. He ain't off the hook yet because his, his boys out in Houston, they struggling a lot. <laughs> Granted, it's only five games into the season, but I predicted this since last year. The Houston Rockets championship window was closed. It's that simple. They literally were a team constructed to win last year. And now they've proven thus far that it's quiet. Listen, when you replace Luke and Bob Mute and Trevor Ariza, your two best wing defenders with Carmelo Anthony and James Ennis III, <laughs> well, hold on what, what message are you really sending you feel me? listen I'm just calling a spade a spade now fuck with Melo one of my favorite players of all time but listen he's no Trevor Ariza on the, on the perimeter he's no Luke Mbamute with wingspan uh, leg speed or defensive but none of that it's just not happening and then you got your boy Eric Gordon only shooting 8 for 33 from 3 pointers to start the season 34% overall from the field that's your entire bench offense. He's literally the catalyst of your second option, of your second um, your second unit. So what does that say about the team overall this year? On top of that, these niggas continue to switch every and any opportunity they get. And I don't know if y'all repeat, but on opening night, the Pelicans literally exploited that. I mean, any time these niggas had the opportunity, either Anthony Davis or Julius Randle would switch or run a pick and roll where they get the mismatch with the with the guard and the guard would fuck around and end up somehow deep in the post struggling to keep up with Anthony Davis and Julius Randle and that's an easy bucket. When they played the Lakers, the night where uh when niggas when niggas was busy spitting on each other, fighting and putting hands on each other. When they played the Lakers that night, the same they had JaVale McGee exploiting them with these with these switching defense. So it's just like I'm not really sure which direction the Rocket plan on going this year, but this was clearly a team that was literally built to win right away. When they pulled out the Brinks truck for James Harden and Chris Paul, 
I don't think they stopped to think about the ancillary pieces in that offense. Shit on that team, period. You lost your two best defenders and your defensive coordinator and Jeff Bell, what, Bell, Bizdelic. I ain't want to fuck his name up, my bad. Bizdelic. And also, to add more fuel to the fire, your best player, James Harden, he left the game on Wednesday with a left hamstring injury, the same hamstring that he fucked up last year against the Lakers, as well as Brandon Knight, Nene, Marcus Christie. These are all guys who were signed to the Rockets who have yet to suit up due to injuries in some way, shape, or form. I don't know. I just, I just don't. Realistically, I don't see the Rockets getting any better for next season and on. They literally are constructed to win. Either last year, they didn't get that opportunity. They were literally a hamstring away and a three-point away from beating the Gold State Warriors in the, in the Western Conference Finals. They literally constructed to win last year and this year. And with the way the season has started already, their defensive struggles don't look like they're going to... literally doesn't look like it's going to be able to hold up for them. I don't know what to tell them. And on top of that, you got them out here willing to risk it all for Jimmy Butler. Willing to trade, willing to give up four future first-round picks for a guy who averaged 37 minutes a game over the past five seasons. Out of four of those five seasons, he missed 15 or more games in those seasons. Underwent surgery on a on a on a torn meniscus in February, and he's about to turn 30 next year. Y'all willing to give up four draft picks for that guy? Don't make any sense to me. I don't care if he told y'all that he's willing to sign the rest of his career with career with y'all. That that move literally makes absolutely no sense. Listen, in everything you do, you must always think long-term. Never think short-term. Always think 10 years ahead. Fuck five. As a matter of fact, fuck 10. Think 20 years ahead in life. So as, a, as an NBA franchise now, if you pull up talking that talk about, yo, listen, I'm, I'm willing to give you my next four first-round picks for this guy, you're bugging. You're wilding. As a matter of fact, you don't even really, you don't even really de- deserve to, to be a general manager if you give up four first round picks. As a matter of fact, Adam Silver should rescind a trade like that if that would happen. And that's something you just literally can't allow. Four first round picks? That's ridiculous. Don't do that. Don't do that. But all in all, it's still very, very early within the season. We only played five games. I could be overreacting. But if they don't figure out a way to combat those defensive switches that they've been exploited on throughout these first five games right now, it's quiet for these boys. And if they can't get their entire roster to be healthy, it's slow for them. Because at the end of the day, the Western Conference is the Western Conference, and that shit ain't no cakewalk. Another franchise has been a little suspect to me this season so far is Oklahoma City Thunder. That goes to no surprise, of course. I'm still not quite sure why Paul George was so quick to renew his lease in Oklahoma. When you get a chance, Google the Oklahoma City skyline. <laughs> yeah, trust me, it's no LA. Granted, this new generation of players isn't too fond of the idea of having to play alongside LeBron, but he didn't even bother to take a meeting with another franchise. Not even the idea, he didn't even toy with the idea of trying to come east and playing alongside Philly in a system where he literally is the puzzle piece that's missing. I really want to know what happened here. Something's not adding up. And similar to last season, the Thunder looked very stagnant on offense and Russell was still playing like he's the lone star on the team. And it's just like, the more I try to understand the psyche behind why poor George stayed, the more it feels like Stockholm Syndrome to me. They don't have any consistent, reliable shooters, and their best wing defender is still out suffering after suffering a freak injury last year. 
Shout-outs to Andre Robeson. I wish him the best in recovery. He's now on his third surgery. This is ridiculous. This is crazy. Shit's out of hand over there. And again, it's very still. It's, it's it's still very early, but it's just like yo, Oklahoma City looks like they're repeating or they're walking in the same footsteps that they did last year. It's feeling a lot like another spectacular year from Rush, followed by a first round exit. And it's just like yo, this is your franchise player. This is the guy that you gave the keys of the franchise to. You guys signed him to a five year extension. How long throughout this five these five years will you be able, would you tolerate that? How long is too long? How long will you be willing to tolerate constantly seeing spectacular regular season performances only to get bounced out in the first round? I mean, what do I know though, right? I'm a Knicks fan. I haven't even smelt the playoffs in a little while. So I guess I gotta be humble. But listen, I'm just calling a spade a spade. <laughs> I just call shit how I see it, man. And if I'm if I'm Oklahoma City. If I'm Oklahoma City, I'm definitely, my main goal will be trying to secure a nigga like Kevin Love. It sounds crazy, Kevin Love, right? Why would I want Kevin Love? But they, they can definitely use a stretch four who will be able to spread the floor for them and open up driving lanes for both Paul George and Russell Westbrook. That way, they don't have to constantly worry about running into their big men when they get to the when they try to get to the paint. Because I don't know if you watch Oklahoma City play, the paint is always packed with these niggas. Like, somebody's always in the paint looking for rebound. And that's cool, and that's good, and that's respectable, and that's understandable. As a big man, you're supposed to crash boards. But it's like, if our strengths as the two primary offensive options on the team are to attack the basket, how are we supposed to do that if the paint is constantly clogged? And if our strengths, that being Paul George and Russell Westbrook, are attacking the basket, when the defense collapses, who are we passing the ball out to if we don't have any shooters? And that's why I feel like that's where I feel like Kevin Love will fit in perfectly. Because now, not only will your power forward be outside on the three-point line stretching the spreading the floor out for you, the driving lanes will be open. And if they are ever clogged, he'll be outside waiting in the shoot, waiting, waiting for that ball to catch, to, to just, just just waiting for him to catch the ball and shoot his pocket and just rise up and knock down that jumper. Now, a lot of you are probably wondering, what would the Cavaliers get out of trading Kevin Love? But just stop and think about it for a second. Let's break it. I'm going to break this down for you for a second. They've yet to win a game without LeBron. And nobody is surprised. Come on now, it's LeBron. LeBron leaves your franchise, you know for a fact, it's quiet for y'all. It's, it's a dub. But we've seen this movie multiple times before. The last time we left Cleveland, the niggas lost like 50 games <laughs> that year. It happens. We know that. We know the vibe. The offense ranks in the bottom 10 this season. And they're the second worst defense in the league so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only a small sample size, only five games. But let's be real. It's going to stay like that the entire season. My advice for them would be to just simply blow it up. Listen, they just they just fight Tyron Lue. Why not clean house completely and forget LeBron was ever there? Send everyone away. Give your veterans the opportunity to compete for a championship on the playoff teams elsewhere. You feel me? Kevin Love is out there averaging 19 and 13 this season. Granted, those are empty numbers, but they'll be well suited in a place like Oklahoma City or Utah. A team who's won power forward away from winning the championship it just doesn't make sense to keep the team assembled as is when you could trade these vets for younger pieces and draft picks it's just like think about it if you trade away all of the vets now for younger assets and draft picks not only would your future be brighter because you have these draft picks but now your younger players will have all the opportunity in the world to fuck up make the mistakes that they need to make without any real pressure or expectations 
Because let's face it, once you trade away all of your veterans and just leave the franchise in the hands of Colin Sexton and a whole bunch of other young players, y'all don't got no expectations for them. Them young boys can just ball out and understand and learn the NBA game on the fly this season. That'd be great. Now, I'm not quite sure which team would want to jump and say, oh, let's acquire JR. Let's acquire Grant Hill. Not Grant Hill. What's the nigga name? George Hill. I apologize. Shout out to Grant Hill, though. I'm not sure which franchise would would want to jump at the idea of taking George Hill or or JR, but trust me, (laughs) one of these franchises is bound to talking themselves into having that veteran presence in their locker room. And to be quite honest with you, these are are guys who have been on that big stage before. You can never go wrong with having veteran presence in your locker room. That's essential, especially if you're in a a city or or if you're on a franchise where the locker room is filled with young and youth and inexperience. You definitely could use some veterans who've been on that big stage before to be able to not only show these young players what it means to be a professional basketball player, but to teach them and prepare them for these bigger moments in the playoffs and things of that nature. And also, how can we forget Kyle Culver's on the roster? On the roster still, you know how many teams right now in the NBA could use a sharpshooter like Kyle Culver, <coughs> Lakers. <coughs> You know how many teams in the NBA will be able to flourish with a shooter like Kyle Culver? Listen, don't play yourselves, all right? If I'm any franchise in the league right now that's lacking youth, that's lacking inexperience, that needs some shooting, I'm picking up the phone and calling Dan Gilbert and Kobe Oldman as fast as possible. And I'm helping them. I'm helping them blow that shit up. Because there's no reason to have anybody on that Cavalier team left from the LeBron era. That window is closed, that door is shut. That chapter is sealed. It's time to move on. All in all, it'll be a win-win situation for everybody. The veteran players will be able to play meaningful basketball in other cities, and the Cavs will get back draft picks. Now, I'm not telling you these are going to be lottery picks, but listen, a draft pick is a draft pick. All right? A draft pick is a draft pick. You never know what can happen on draft night. You could fuck around and package that draft pick to get something else. All I'm telling the Cavaliers to do this time around is to play it smart. Y'all been here before, and you saw how it happened last time. Don't be bitter. Don't be upset. LeBron Burch had a championship like he said he would. Now it's time to do your part for your fans. Now, staying on the same topic and of um, paying attention to your future and forgetting about the past, the Minnesota Timberwolves can definitely take a page out of that book. Listen, if you're Minnesota, pay attention to what I'm about to say. Trade Jimmy Butler. Find the best deal, the best package you can get and trade him. And listen, if that means taking all four Houston's draft picks, do what you got to do. <laughs> do what you got to do. We trade Jimmy Butler. And the only reason I'm saying trade Jimmy Butler is because it's clear to me that his presence is intimidating Kyle Anthony Towns to the point where now he's no longer performing at the level that he's supposed to be performing at. And there's no reason. Bro, the other night this nigga put up like, what, 13 points? Some funny, 13 points or some funny shit like that. Or like 16 points or something like There's no reason Carl Anthony Towns with the skill set and the talent level that he is and that he possesses, the potential that he has. There's no reason. And with, with, with what he's already shown us he could do, there's no, there's absolutely no reason why he should not be playing up to that level right now. There's literally only one logical reason why. Even though, yeah, I just contradicted myself. I said there's no reason. Not as, yeah, yeah, you get the point though. There's literally only one thing that makes sense. Jimmy Butler's presence is too much for him to handle. So get him out of there. If Minnesota actually wants to be a formidable franchise this decade, unlike the previous decades, 
they should really start investing in their future. You already signed him to a five-year deal. You already let him know that he's the next franchise centerpiece. Act like it. Cater to him. Show him that. Coddle him if you have to. Yes, he comes from the AAU circuit of the young guys who are constantly spoon-fed. And Tom Thibodeau may be of a different generation. He doesn't subscribe to those same ideologies. But listen, you got to do what you got to do to save your franchise, man. You got to do what you got to do. And... Carthy Towns looks very grumpy out there and very disgruntled to say the least. And my original, my initial thought was like, I okay, Carthy Towns on a team where he has to deal with a an, an, a personality like Jimmy Butler, you know, a guy with a very big personality, a very big ego. And that may that may be a little rough or difficult for him to adjust to. My initial th- thoughts to the situation was that this would not light a light a fire under Carthy Towns' ass. Get that nigga to actually ball out and play with some heart. But it's having an adverse effect. I might have been wrong with that one. I'm not going to lie to you. I might have been wrong with that one. But with that being said, you must always do what's in the best interest of your young centerpiece. And right now, the best option is to trade away Jimmy Butler. If they want to salvage the season in any, in any way, shape, or form, they should let that man go. Let him walk. See what you can get back for him. And just a heads up, he made it very clear he doesn't want to be there, which means if he's still there next season or if he's still there at the end of this season going into free agency, you're going to lose him for nothing. So why lose him for nothing when you can definitely get him for something now? And if you're Tom Thibodeau, maybe you should lower your asking price. Because, again, as I mentioned before, this is a guy Although he may be one of the more durable players in the league, Father Tom's undefeated. And the mileage is starting to pile up on Jimmy Butler. So listen, humble yourself and take the best offer you got and focus on the development of bum-ass Andrew Wiggins and grumpy-ass Carthy Towns. On a lighter note, it's definitely been confirmed this weekend that, uh, that not Carthy Towns, Stephen Curry is a great shooter all the time. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what any old head says about Reggie Miller. I don't care what any nigga that watched Ball in the mid 2000s says about Ray Allen. Stephen Curry, Stephen Wardell Curry is the greatest three-point shooter we have ever seen. The greatest shooter we've ever seen in our life. Just for some context. Just for some context. Ray Allen currently holds the record for the most three-pointers made in NBA history at 2,973 three-pointers total. It took him 1,300 games to reach that mark. Stephen Curry, whose fifth all-time three-pointers made, is at 2,162 three-pointers. It took him 630 games to get there. It took him 630 games to get there. (laughs) Kyle, Jason, Reggie, Ray, move over. Move over. Once that boy's, once it's all said and done, Stephen Curry's going to probably have a good 4,000 three-pointers made. No funny shit. I called it 4,000. 4,000. 4,000. Listen, what I watched him do against the Wizards the other night, ridiculous. He didn't even have to do that. He didn't have to do them boys like that. Like, he's made it, and it's crazy because Steph has changed the game so much. The game has evolved so much to the point where now our centers are shooting three-pointers because of Steph Curry. Like, yeah, the niggas at 7-2 with the clear height and strength advantage over everyone else feel the need to still have to step out behind the three-point line and shoot three-pointers. What? 
bro, he's he he literally turned the game into a small ball game. He literally eliminated an entire position from the all-star forward. Of course, he didn't go to Adam Silver and ask him to take it off. But by way of his great three-point shooting, the league was put on standby. Something crazy. And it's just like, yo, as a Knicks fan, to know that he got drafted number seven and we had the eighth pick, mercy, yo, we can't get nothing good. We can't have nothing good. Now, it's very important to point out the fact that Stephen Curry is the son of an NBA, a former NBA player, Del Curry, also a very good three-point shooter. So, you know, he had the luxury of playing in gyms his entire life. His knees never had to deal with the concretes of New York City or any other inner city for that matter. So, you know, he's been damn near spoon-fed. But by way of this money that he was brought up in, he had the time and the access to these gyms to be able to work on his shot. The reason why it looks so effortless for him now is because of the time that he put into his jumper. So for anybody, any young, any young nigga listening, looking to make a run to the NBA or looking to, to, to be a, a meaningful basketball player in whatever team or whatever city you play for, remember, Steph makes it look easy because he put the time into his craft to make it look easy. Don't expect to just walk outside, start pulling up from half court and making shit. Nah, that's just not how it works. He literally put thousands of hours into this. There were thousands and thousands of unseen hours that, that brought Steph to where he is now. So just keep that in mind before you go out there and just start pulling from anywhere on half court. But yeah, Steph is the greatest dude one shooter of all time. Without a doubt. Hands down. No questions asked. A few more takeaways. I want to keep y'all too long. The Nuggets are nice. Mercy, them niggas is nice. I ain't even going to hold you. Jokers, arguably top seven player in the league. He could pass. I hate seeing him run the floor. But he could score. He could shoot the ball from anywhere. He could score his back towards the back to the basket. I love a big man who could still score his back to the basket. I wish Joel Embiid would stop shooting so many threes and put his back to the basket more. But the Nuggets are it this year. Not to mention that last year they almost made the playoffs without their best player in Paul Millsap. And he's back now. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris have gotten better. Nuggets definitely going to the playoffs this year. Not to mention, all in all, Michael Porter Jr. is still on the bench nursing that back injury. So imagine next year when he's at full strength. Granted, he will be a rookie. Well, well, that, that's if he, look, look, he can fuck around and play this year. Whenever he does play. Whenever he does join the roster. Whenever he does join the team. That's just another threat that you got to deal with. Another wing threat that you got to deal with. Damn, son. Yo, it took like four seasons for Denver to get back. I, this, this, is why, this, is why, this is why I don't understand. This is why I don't get. Like, there's teams like Denver. Shit, Boston, LA. These niggas only struggle for like four seasons. Knicks is going on season like seven right now. I, I don't understand. The league should really step in and do something. Like the league should really intervene when it comes to franchises like Orlando, New York, Sacramento. Like, how are the how are other teams in the league so quick to just turn everything around? Having losing seasons, missing the playoffs year after year after year, to then all of a sudden tapping into this talent pool of just youth. Like, how is that possible? Meanwhile, Sacramento can't figure it out. Orlando does, doesn't believe in player development and then the Knicks is just, we just got a big market so it's like, we only really got to do nothing to sell tickets. 
Like the league should really step into that. The league should really step in and do something. Like it's it's kind of getting out of hand now. Like I'd much I listen. I want all thirty. I want French. I want all the fans of all thirty franchises to be able to flourish and just enjoy good basketball. And I personally feel like it's not fair that there's teams out there that's flourishing or that's turning their franchise around in a matter of three years while we struggle. So the league, I'm, yo, I'm, I might have to fuck around right Adam Silver and speak to him about that because it's just not fair at this point. But yeah, watch out for the Denver Nuggets as well. For whatever it's worth, Isaiah Thomas is also on that roster as well too. He's nursing a back injury. And when he comes back, he'll also be a valuable threat off the bench. So yeah, them niggas is right. Them niggas is... <laughs> Listen, and you think Oklahoma City can get bounced out fucking with a team like Denver? Shit. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to keep y'all too long. It's only immediately. I just had a couple of things to get off my get off my chest from watching basketball this past week. Um, I don't have much to say about football. I missed all the games this Sunday. I, I'm not even going front like I saw anything. I did hear Pat Mahomes had a big game. That's a special kid. It's a special kid. So I will be on the lookout for him going into next week's games. And I will have a football guest on next week so we can talk about some football shit. Shout out to the Boston Red Sox for winning the um winning the World Series. Baseball is trash, but it's a sport nonetheless. Congratulations to you guys. I'm not going front. I haven't fully figured out. Well, granted, this is the first time I'm doing this, but I haven't figured out how to properly end the shit. So I'm gonna just yeah, I'm just stopping right now. <laughs>